You guys doing well? The, the, the crazy crowd of uh, 1150, I love y'all. You guys are the hardcore people of our church. And so welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. We're glad that you're with us as we continue this series uh, called Face the Music. And uh, we're, we're taking songs from today and yesterday and, and just talking about how, what does God say in spite of what everything else is saying in life. And, and last week, we talked about the song Stressed Out by 21 Pilots. Today, we're going to dive in and we're going to talk about uh, A Million Reasons by Lady Gaga and, and what does God say for that. Uh, but before we do that, I want to give you an update on our immeasurably more building project. And maybe you're new here. Maybe you've been here for a while. But uh, back uh, in the fall of last year, God graciously uh, just dropped this huge gift in our lap. As a church, uh, we found 7.29 acres of land in Parkland, Florida, which is right next to our Coconut Creek campus and uh, gave us an unbelievable deal to be able to purchase this land. And so last fall, we started a series called Immeasurably More. And we were talking about the thing that God wants to do in our lives. In fact, in Ephesians Chapter 3, verses 20 and 21, it says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. And we believe that our God is a God of the immeasurably more. He loves to show up and he loves to show off. And that's exactly what he did. And so in October of last year, we launched our immeasurably more building project. And we're one church with multiple locations. And so we have a location here in Pompano Beach. We have a location in Coconut Creek. And so uh, we wanted to continue to reach people. We've been about this idea idea that we want to make it hard for people to go to hell by making it easy for them to go to church. And so when, as we were looking at this property, we discovered that there are no evangelical Christian churches in all of the city of Parkland. Pretty amazing that there can be an entire community in South Florida that doesn't have a church. And so we felt like God was strategically placing us there. And uh, it was really easy transition for our Coconut Creek campus. And so we launched our Immeasurably More Building Project campaign, where we said over the next uh, 12 to 18 months, we were believing that God was going to help us build a 16,500 square foot facility for that campus. And, and just let me tell you this, Pompano, that doesn't mean Pompano is no longer going to exist. We're, we're about reaching the community of Pompano. So Pompano doesn't end when we build that facility. It just means that we're going to have another location for our church. And so, um, we said we're going to build this facility, and it's going to cost us $3.2 million. And uh, we said, but the great news is, is while it costs a lot of money, we only have to raise about 1.2 of that for financing and everything to be able to do that. And we want to do that on the front end. And so uh, in October, our church, both locations gave so, so generously. I was so proud to be the pastor of this church, uh, seeing how people sacrificed and gave. And, and God's been doing some incredible things. So uh, what has been happening? over the last couple months is we've been in the process of getting all of our planning and zoning uh, approved and our master site plan for the facility. And coming up this March, on March 9th, we're going to be in our final planning and zoning meeting where they're hopefully going to approve all of our master site plan, which means that Hopefully this summer we'll be able to break ground on that facility. So we're super, super excited about that. We're pumped about what God is doing. And uh and so we're going to be able to do some site work and break ground there. And hopefully by the end of next year, we'll be in that facility. And so that's the end of 2018, not the end of 2017. I just want to make sure I say that. Somebody's like, 2017? And I was like, no. Uh, 
So what that means, though, is while that's great news, that also means that we need to raise a little bit more money to be able to make that happen. And so coming up on March 12th, we're going to have an immeasurably more uh, miracle offering, just like we did in October, uh, believing God that we can raise an additional $200,000 to begin that process and make that happen and pay for that all cash so that it's really, really easy for us to move forward and make that happen. And so here's what we're asking is uh, you can you can check out the information here on this card that's in your worship guide. Uh, you can also check out immeasurablymore.tv for information about the project, what it means, what the floor plan is, all that kind of stuff. But what we're asking you to do is we're asking you to take this envelope, this, this immeasurably more envelope, and we're not asking you to give. What we're asking you to do is we're asking you to take this envelope, take it home, and over the next couple of weeks to pray. And here's the prayer I'd ask that you would pray is, God, how do you want me to be involved with what you're doing through my church at Coastal? And here's what we'd ask is whatever God says to you, that you would just be obedient to that. And I believe that as we're obedient to God, that God really will do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. And I can't wait to see what God does through that location. I can't wait to see what God continues to do through this location. Uh, in fact, I just came from a service at Coconut Creek where our second service, we saw... 13 people give their lives to Christ today. That's, a, that's an incredible, that's just one service. I mean, absolutely incredible. And so I'm excited for today. I'm excited about this message today. And so as we dive into this idea of a million reasons, I want to start with a story of something that happened to me a couple of months ago. I was in Starbucks. I love to uh, work out outside of the office. I'm not good being confined within four walls. I want to go out, sit at a coffee shop, whether it's a Starbucks or some other place. And, and so I was working in this Starbucks. I was working on a message, and I ran out of coffee. And so, you know, coffee equals better preaching. And so, like, I was like, I'm, I need to go get some more coffee. And so I went and got in line to get some coffee. And as I was waiting there in line, this lady taps me on the shoulder and and I turn around and she goes, I've gone to your church before. And I was like, that's awesome. Sweet. Hey, how long have you been attending? And she's like, well, I've only gone once. And I was like, oh, okay, that's not as sweet. Um, uh, and I was like, do, do you attend church somewhere else? And she's like, no. I was like, well, well why, why haven't you come back? And she goes, well, I don't believe in God. And I said, well, that, that's probably a valid reason. Not, you know, in my mind, I'm going, that's a valid reason not to come back. And, and I said, well, well, why don't you believe in God? And she goes, I, I'm not really ready to tell you that. I was like, okay. And so I said, so you don't believe in God, right? Um, and she goes, yeah, I don't believe in God. And I said, so would you be willing to tell me about this God that you don't believe in? And she goes, sure. And she goes on to tell me uh, about this God that has uh, uh, taken somebody in her family from cancer and how uh, this God that caused this to happen in her life and that to happen in her life and this and that and that. And I'm listening to her, her, her tell why she doesn't believe in God. And at the end of it, I, I looked at her and I said, you know what? I don't believe in that God either. And I said, would you mind if I told you a little bit about the God that I believe in, the God that I know, the God that I love, the God that I serve with my life? And I proceeded to tell her about the God that I know and love and serve. And I got to thinking about that conversation, and it got me thinking about the fact that a lot of us, we walk around with this messed up and this jacked up view of God. 
And I don't believe that there's anything in your life that is going to impact your relationship with God. I don't think that there's anything in your life that's going to impact your relationship with other people. I don't think there's anything in your life that's going to impact your purpose. I don't think there's anything in your life that's going to impact your life more than what you think about God when you think about God. See, because every distortion, every distorted view we have of God has a corresponding consequence to our life. And so if you believe that every time something bad happens or when your friend got cancer or, or uh, when you lost that job or when that person broke up with you, if you think in those moments that God is trying to get back at you, then that is gonna, have, uh, is gonna cause to have a corresponding consequence. And the corresponding consequence of you thinking that God is trying to get back at you is gonna be, the consequence is gonna be that you're not gonna ever trust your heavenly father. That's gonna be the consequence of you thinking that God is trying to get back at you. If you believe that every time you mess up that God is mad at you, that the corresponding consequence of that is that you are going to be overwhelmed with guilt in your life. So what we think about when we think about God is absolutely, fundamentally, extremely important to our lives. And so what I want to do today is I want to set up today by asking us two questions. And they're not in your notes. And so I would encourage you to write these questions down, ponder these questions, because I think they're extremely, extremely pivotal to not only your life, but your faith. And the first question is this, is what do you think about God? When you think about God, what do you think about? So what do you think about God? The second question is equally as important. When you th what do you think God thinks about you? So what do you think about God? And then what do you think God thinks about you? And the answer to those questions, whether they're, they're corresponding or off, are so, so important. And we just heard this song, A Million Reasons, by Lady Gaga. We saw it at the Super Bowl. It's like on the top 10 songs in the entire world right now. And a lot of us, we go through life and we have all of these reasons why we don't trust God, why we don't believe in God, why we, why we aren't following God. We can stack them up over and over and over again because life happens. Life has difficulties. Life has problems. Life has overwhelming circumstances. And, and life is full of disappointments. In fact, anybody, we're, we're, it's February 19th today. We're not even two months into this year. Has anybody experienced or been disappointed so far in this year? Okay, I'm, I'm talking to the right crowd right? Like we all experience disappointment. But what if in the midst of all of the reasons that we've been disappointed, that we've been overwhelmed, that we've been uh, just, just taken aback from, there was one reason that would change all of that perspective? What if there was one thing that would shift our focus from all the reasons why we can't to the reason why we can what if there was one reason that would transform our lives in such a powerful way that we wouldn't look at all the difficulties and all the obstacles and all the struggles and all the disappointments in the same way that we've looked at them, but it would change everything to where we saw something completely different that would give us hope in the middle of those circumstances? Would anybody want that? And so what I want to talk about today is I want to talk about the one reason you should want to stay. And that is the love of God. And so 
this week was Valentine's Day, and, and I think Valentine's Day is, is a great day because it's a day that we get to see how love is defined by our world, how love is expressed by our world, how love is shown by our world. And, and if we were to look around and we're pretty honest, uh, our love is pretty inconsistent because we express our love one day of the year. Like, how many of all know that that's in, inconsistent? Like, once a year is not a very consistent, overwhelming love. Because, well, some of you are like, well, I don't express my love every day. Do you bring your wife flowers every day? Do you go to Walgreens or Walmart or Target and get her a card every day? No. So is your love really that consistent? Most of us would go, no. Why? Because that, my friends, is human love. So when we start to think about and we start to talk about God's love, it is always filtered through the experience that we have here on earth. It's always filtered through the limitations of what we've seen, what we've uh, experienced, what we've expected from other people. And no matter how good we are at human love, no matter how good it's been that we've experienced, it's almost always limited. And the one thing about human love is that it's always conditional. If you do this, then I'll love you. If you say that, then I'll love you. If you give me this, then I'll love you. And so we walk around with a distorted view based on conditions in life. And so this makes it such a, such a difficult task for me to explain God's love. Honestly, I, I, I'm just going to be upfront. Like this has been the hardest message I've ever prepared in my life. I've, I've been preparing messages for the last... 10 years, and uh, this by far is the most difficult because I thought, man, expressing God's love, that should be easy. But as I started kind of thinking about it, I have no idea about God's love. And so what I'm going to ask today is I'm going to ask that you give me a little bit of grace. Is that possible? Can you guys give me a little bit of grace? Because I'm going to do the, the very best that I can to help you understand something that I don't fully understand. I'm going to do the best to help you understand something that I don't fully grasp, but here's the deal. I see glimpses of it every single day in my life. And so to start off today, we're going to be looking at a book called Lamentations. If you want to turn your Bible to Lamentations chapter 3, uh, it's, it's one of my favorite books of the Bible. Anybody else, they love the book of Lamentations? Anybody actually know that there is a book called Lamentations? It's about what I thought. No, it's not the most popular book in the Bible. Basically, it's a big old lament or a big old complain fest. Some of y'all are like, oh, I would probably like that because I complain a lot. And so uh, that's what it is. It's this guy complaining about his circumstances and his situation. And I thought, what not a better correlation? I think Lady Gaga got her song from the book of Lamentations. She was like reading Lamentations chapter three. She's like, this is it right here. A billion reasons to walk away. Here they are. And so I kind of regret putting the scripture in here because it's really depressing. So I'm giving you forewarning that like I get depressed reading it. You're probably going to get depressed hearing it. So just bear with me. In Lamentations chapter 3, prophet Jeremiah is talking. He says, I'm the one who has seen the afflictions that come from the rod of the Lord's anger. He has led me into darkness, shutting out all light. Some of you feel like that's exactly what God has done. He's led you into darkness and he's shut you out of all this light in life. And you're like, man, where's where God? I'm lost out there. And he says, he has turned his hand against me again and again all day long. He has made my skin and flesh grow old. Some ladies are like, yeah, that's exactly how I feel right now. It's like stuff is sagging or whatever. Anyways, no, oh, man, wrong, wrong choice terminology. Uh, 
He has besieged and surrounded me with anguish and distress. That's how I feel right now. Uh, he has buried me in a dark place like those long dead. He has walled me in and I cannot escape. He has bound me in heaven chains. And though I cry and shout, he has shut out my prayers. And some of you feel exactly like that. You're like, man, I'm going through such difficulty. I'm, I'm praying, God, show up. And it's like God is up there just, just swatting my prayers away. And he goes on to say, he has blocked my way with a high stone wall. He has made my road crooked. He has hidden like a bear or a lion waiting to attack me. He has dragged me off the path and torn me in pieces, leaving me helpless and devastated. He has drawn his bow and made me the target for his arrows. His arrows uh, he shot his arrows deep in my heart. My own people laugh at me. All day long, they sing their mocking songs. He has filled me with bitterness and given me a cup of sorrow to drink. He has made me chew on gravel. He has rolled me in the dust. Peace has been stripped away. I've forgotten what prosperity is. I cry out. My splendor is gone. Everything I'd hoped for from the Lord is lost. The thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. That, my friends, right there is a bad day. That is the epitome of a million reasons why I should just give up hope. I should just give up life. I should just throw in the towel. And some of us, those weren't just words on a page. That was the reality of how we feel about life when it comes to God. That is how we view God when it comes to our life. And so we look at God and we go, why should I trust him? Why should I believe in him? Why should I believe that he is faithful, that he is true, that he is loving? And part of that comes from the limitations of our life. We're limited in love. We're limited in faithfulness, like as, as faithful as people can be in your life, they're limited. They're not faithful. As much as you think your family's faithful to you, as much as you think your, your spouse is faithful to you, as much as you think the church should be faithful to you, as much as you think I should be faithful to you, you know what? All of those things and those people and those places are going to fail you. So as faithful as they intend to be, they can never truly be completely faithful. And so we look at God and we say, God, you know, you, you says you'll be faithful. But our perception and our ability to see is based on what we know. And so we walk around with preconceived, messed up views of God and nothing is gonna impact our life more. And so we go, man, there's a million reasons, God, why I should walk away. But Jeremiah goes, listen, there's one reason why you should stay. Get that? Oh, that's awesome. Okay. He says in verse 21, nobody else got that. Okay. Thanks, Kyle. I appreciate it. <laughs> he says, yet I still dare to hope. And I love that phrasing, yet I still dare to hope. He's basically saying like, listen, there is this oxygen to my soul and it's called hope. It's just like the oxygen that's in the air that sustains my lungs. Like there's this thing, I still hope. And he says, when I remember this, he says, I remember one thing, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. The two things that we can never fully comprehend on, here on earth because of our limitations, he says, man, the faithful love, the love that is never gonna let you down, the love that is unconditional for your life, it's not conditioned, it's unconditional. The faithful love of the Lord never ends and never runs out and never runs dry. It says his mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin 
afresh each morning. What he's saying is he's saying, man, there's this unbelievable faithful love that God has that you can have overwhelmingly every single day in your life that in spite of what's happening around you will give you the reason to keep plowing on, to keep going forward, to keep overcoming and achieving in life if you can grab hold of it. And so it goes back to what do you think about God and what do you think God thinks about you? I love what A.W. Tozier said. He's a great pastor that passed away some years ago. He says, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And my question for all of us is, what would happen if we really believed God felt this way about me? That his unfailing love would never end for me. That every single day, man, it would be new and it would be fresh and it would overwhelm our lives. What would be the implications to our life if we really trusted that? And so today, I just want to give you four implications that if you were to trust God's love, what it would do to you and how it would challenge you. And the first one is this, is the first implication of God's love is that you would realize that God wants to be with you. In the very beginning of creation, what God was doing is God was creating and he was creating a place. He was creating the Garden of Eden for his creation so he could be with them. Like his intention from day one was to have relationship with Adam and to have relationship with Eve. He wanted to walk with them. He wanted to talk with them. He wanted to experience life with them. In fact, you can look in scriptures all throughout Genesis, uh, Genesis chapter one, Genesis chapter two, Genesis chapter three. In fact, if you were to look at Genesis chapter three, it says, when the cool of the evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking in the garden. Why was God walking in the garden? It's implied that God did this all the time. Why? Because he wanted to be with his creation. He wanted to be with the very people that he created to be on this earth. And I've just discovered in life there's, there's something significant about the fact that God was walking. He wanted to go on a walk with those people because the thing that fills up my wife more than anything, the thing that, that just elevates her love tank in life is we'll be sitting on our couch and she'll look over at me and she'll go like, hey, you want to go for a walk? And of course, I'm like, no, I'm not a puppy. I don't want to go for a walk. You know, I'm like... But I know what she's really saying. What she's saying is she's saying, hey, I want to spend time with you. I want it to just be you and I, like where we can just walk and I can have your undivided attention. You can have my undivided attention and we can just express what's going on in life. And here's what I know about taking a walk with somebody. You don't ever go for a walk with somebody you hate, do you? Like, hey, I hate you. Well, let's, let's go for a walk together. You don't ever do that, do you? You might be in a meeting with somebody you hate. You might be in counseling with somebody you hate. But you don't ever invite them to go on a walk. Who do you invite to go on a walk? People you like. People you want to be with. And God is inviting every single one of us to go on a walk with him because he wants to be with us. One of the things that brings him the greatest delight is when we take a step back from life and go, God, I just want to be with you. I just want to spend time with you. I just want to, to listen and I want to share about what's going on in life. And he loves you so much that he wants to spend time with you. 
Now, I know that there'll be some pushback and you'll go, well, well, if God wants to be with me so much, then why does it feel like I'm going through hell and it feels like God's nowhere to be around? Why does it feel like he's abandoned me? Why does it feel like he has left me out here high and dry to just die? Again, it goes back to every wrong thought process, every wrong view is going to have a corresponding consequence because here's the reality of God. Isaiah chapter 43, verses 1 through 4 says this, But now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, the one who formed you, says, Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I've called you by name. You are mine. Somebody that, that says you are mine, they want to take care of their thing. He says, When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. See, that's an important element because a lot of us think that if we're going through difficulties or tragedies or hard circumstances, that means that God has abandoned us, and that is not the case at all. When we're going through the difficulties of life, that's when God is closest to us because he knows that he's never going to put us in a situation that he can't rescue us from. In fact, if you were to skip down to verse 4, it says, Others were given in exchange for you. I traded their lives for you. Because you are precious to me, you are honored, and I love you. See, we look at God and we look at difficulties and troubles and overwhelming circumstances and we think, man, that means that God has abandoned us and he has forsaken us, but that goes against the nature of God. God will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Why? Because you're precious to him and he loves you. And he's ransomed everything to be in a relationship with you. He isn't like Meatloaf who says, I will do anything for love, but I won't do that. He says, man, I will do anything for it. And so we need to realize that, man, you're precious and God loves you and he wants to be with you. Second implication is this, is that God identifies with your pains, your joys, your hopes, and your dreams. And, and my question is, is how would your life be different if you really believe that God identified with those things, with your joy and your pain and your hopes and your dreams? And I think the best way to, to see how God identifies with you is to look at the life of Jesus and and Jesus was just like us. He lived a normal life on earth. Everything that we read is, you know, Jesus and the 12 disciples and why he had the 12 disciples. He also had relationships outside of them. In fact, some of his best friends were these two ladies named Mary and Martha and their brother named Lazarus. And there's a story in John chapter 11 where uh, Lazarus, the brother of these two ladies, is sick. And Jesus starts making his way to see him. And on the way to going there, he dies, and when he arrives on scene, he hears the news that his friend Lazarus has, has died. And check out how he responds in verse 33. It says, when Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. So here we have the situation where Jesus shows up on scene. One of his friends has died, and his other friends are there, and they're just, they're, they're crying, man. They're, they're upset in the moment. And what does Jesus do? Jesus gets upset. It says he gets angry. I know when I don't understand situations, there is an anger that comes in. Like, why is this happening? And it says that he was troubled deeply inside. And, and we get troubled inside as well. And it continues on. And it says, where have you put him? He asked them. They told him, Lord, come and see. And then Jesus wept. The people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved them. See, for the longest time I looked at this verse and I thought that Jesus was crying right here because his friend Lazarus was dead. 
But I also know that in about 30 hot seconds, Jesus is about to raise Lazarus from the dead. So I don't think he's really crying because Lazarus is dead. So why is Jesus crying? Because he's identifying with the pain that his friends are experiencing. What's happening is he's emotionally identifying with the place that they are in. And I want you to know that God emotionally identifies with your hopes. He emotionally identifies with your dreams. And this is such a hard concept to explain because here is the God of the universe that when you're in pain, experiences that pain. When you're experiencing joys in life, man, he is excited about life. When you're going through tragedies in life, he weeps with you, just like Jesus wept with Lazarus. And what blows my mind is that there is a God in heaven who needs no one, but yet chooses to identify with you and chooses to identify with me through the ups and through the downs, through the highs and through the lows. And our life impacts his life. Now, how that works, I don't have a freaking clue. But clearly throughout scripture, you see it over and over and over again where Jesus identifies with the people and the pain and the hopes and the dreams that they have. And so you and I, we've got to stop thinking about God as some far off cosmic being who's disconnected from us. But the reality is, is he cares and he cares deeply. Third implication is this, is God loves us apart from our performance. God loves you apart from your performance. And this is so hard for us because when we think about love, it is always attached to an, uh, uh, some sort of performance in our life. Like it's always conditional in life. But God, with God, we can't earn his love. We can't provoke his love. We can't achieve his love. We can't win his love. Like his love is just there for us. And you can look all throughout scripture and it says it in different places. Uh, one of them, Romans 5, 8, it says, but God showed his great love for us that by sending Jesus to die for us, that while we were still sinners, it says, Christ died for us while we were still sinners. So before you ever made a promise that you would never lie again, before you ever said, I'll never do this, God, like before you could ever go and perform for God, he says, while you were still jacked up, while you were still messed up, while you were still a sinner, God paid the price through Jesus Christ on the cross. So it's not based on our performance, because what he's saying is he's saying, you bring nothing to the table to earn my love. Listen, God doesn't love us because of who we are. God loves us because that's who he is. See, the very character, the very nature, the very essence of God is love, and it's not based on anything that you and I can do. And a lot of us, we walk up to God with a mindset of like, when I do this, or if I do that, then God would love me. And we think that it is an achievement type of thing. We think it's a performance kind of mindset. But what we got to understand is transformation is not a condition of God's love. Transformation is a byproduct of his love. The more that we understand God's love in our life, the more we're transformed in life. We don't transform to earn his love. God loves us and that transforms us. 
And a lot of us, what we do and for people inside of here, and it's one of the reasons why as a church, man, we gotta continue to tell people about Jesus is we think that we have got to bring a sacrifice to God. We think that there is something that we have to do in order for God to love us. And we think, man, I, if I just perform this way, and so many people, your friends, your family, maybe you are walking around thinking, man, I've got to do this. Like I've got to bring some sort of sacrifice for God to accept me. And listen, there is no sacrifice that you can bring that God will accept. The only sacrifice that God will accept, he already brought to the table through his son, Jesus Christ. And so there's nothing you can do to earn his love. His love for you is already there. All you have to do is receive it. Man, God loves you in spite and apart from your performance. Fourth implication is, is God is creatively orchestrating people and circumstances to express his love. And, and, and I had such a hard time trying to explain this one. And, and there's, I, don't, I don't really want to scripture and verse it. And so uh, I, I'm just going to tell it like this. I believe that every single day God is trying to show you love through people and situations. Most of us just don't ever open up our eyes because we're so dang busy to look around at what God is trying to express to us. This week, I, I, I was, I told you, I was struggling with this message. In fact, on Wednesday, Shayla asked me, like, hey, how's, how's your message coming? I was like, it is terrible. Like, in my mind, I'm going, this is the worst message I've ever prepared in my life. Like, this is one of those messages where people will never come back to church because they're going to go, like, how can you explain something that you can't explain it? I'm, and I'm saying to myself, how can I explain something that I can't even fully comprehend and explain? And so every Thursday morning, I send my notes off to, to our worship leaders, and they prepare uh, uh, the slides and stuff, and I send it off to another lady that prepares all the notes for you guys with the fill in the blanks. And so uh, I sent that off early Thursday morning, and I was like, man, I got to go work on this. I got to, God, please show up. Like, I was feeling so overwhelmed and so ill-prepared to share on God's love, even though, like, I, I love God's love. God's love has transformed and ransomed my life. I'll, I'll never be the same because of God's love, but I could not... I was like, God, I need you to show up and show me your love. Like, because I'm, I'm struggling right now. And, and so I sent those notes off. Like 30 minutes later, I get this text from Josh, who's our worship leader in Coconut Creek. And he's like, man, I was just reading through your notes. And like, God just spoke to me. And like, I needed to hear this today. I have no idea where these are going. But man, point number three, God loves you apart from your performance. Man, God is speaking to me. Thank you so much for preparing so hard and working so hard to bring relevant messages to people. And it's like, God's like, I love you. I'm showing you right now, TJ, I love you. I got you. And at the same point, God was using me to show somebody else that needed to hear that they couldn't perform for God's love this week. That God was just gonna love them in spite of their performance. And I think that every single day, God is trying to show up and show off. Do I think that God orchestrated that? Heck yeah. I think that that was intentional for God just to show up and show off once again, like, I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha, you, Josh. I got you, TJ, and I think that if you would open up your eyes, you'd see all throughout your days that God is going, I got you. I love you this much, and as much as you can comprehend, I love you this much more. So how do we respond to the love of God? Two quick things. Number one, you got to ask God to help you grasp his love. 
You gotta ask God to help you grasp his love. Ephesians chapter three, it says, and I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp. See, I'm not very creative. I just take stuff right out of scripture. How to grasp, we gotta grasp God's love to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know that his love surpasses knowledge. That's the problem I've had all week. This love is beyond my comprehension. It's beyond your comprehension. It's beyond our understanding. And it says, man, listen, it's gonna surpass us. But here's the thing. You don't have to understand it. You just need to experience it. He says that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And so I have this belief that every day, single day, we should just wake up and go, God, help me to grasp this love. Like, help me to grab hold of it. And this week, he showed me a picture of this thing that I did a long time ago. Have you ever gone into like an arcade or a fair where they have like the glass box and they have cash in it and a vacuum is like making the air, the, the money go all over the air and they put you in there and they're like, you get one minute to grab as much money as you can while you're in there. And so you jump in there and you're grabbing cash. You're like holding your shirt out, hoping it gets in crevices and stuff so it gets stuck. And like, you're just trying to grab as much as you can. And God goes, listen, every single day, I, I go, hey, here's my love. It's scattered everywhere, and I turn my love on. And as much as you can grab, as much as you can grasp, as much as you can have, man, that's as much as you're going to have that day. Like, and you might not get all of it, but you're going to get a whole bunch of it. And then get as much as you can, grasp as much as you can, understand as much as you can. And every day, man, I'll show up again and I'll fill you and I'll fill you and I'll fill you. I'll show you how high and how deep and how wide is my love for you. And he says, as you experience that, then what you need to do is, is number two, we must give it away. We must give his love away. And Jesus talked about this over and over again. John 13, 34, it says, so now, see now, I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. He says, just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Where does love come from? It comes from him. As we experience his love in our lives, he's saying the implication of that is, is that, man, you gotta go give that love away. You gotta give that love away. You gotta give, not your love, my love away. Because when we try to give out our love, we're limited based on our love. We're saying, you gotta give out my love. Now, I know there's some people in here that when we start talking about God's love, like you wake up on a daily basis and you feel overwhelmed and full by God's love. You're like, man, God's love is so great. It's so great, man. It's so overwhelming. It's like unbelievable. And then there's other people in here that you feel very, very little of God's love. And so what happens is, is for some of us, what we go to God with is we grab a teaspoon and we go to God and go, God, I want to experience your love today. And the vessel we have to fill is a teaspoon. And so what God does, because of the graciousness that he is, is he goes, man, I'm going to fill that teaspoon up. And then it's our obligation to go out and dump that teaspoon out into this lost and dying world. And then we can go back and experience more of God's love. But here's the deal. You'll only experience and you only feel what you're willing to give away. So if you're showing up to God with a teaspoon every day, you're like, well, I don't feel very much of God's love because you're not willing to give it away. And what God is saying is he's saying, listen, what you need to do is you need to go get the dump truck and back it on up. Beep, 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 and let me fill that up and then go drop it on this world like it's hot. 
so they can experience and then you can back that thing back up. Use a real fine woman, won't you back? Like God's like, back it up. Sorry, I had to put a rap song in there. It's just part of the coastal vibe. So like, he's like, back it up and I will fill it up for you to give it away. And here's the amazing thing. Giving God's love never exhausts it. See, amazing thing. See, see, we have this perception that, it, man, if I go and serve and I, I give them my time and my talent and my resources, then I'll be empty in life. But if you talk to people that give of their time and their talent and their resources to God, you'll find out that they're not empty in life, but they're actually full. See, the reason they are is because they understand this concept that we weren't meant to hoard all that stuff. We were meant to give all that stuff. And the more we give, the more God fills our life with. And it changes our life. And so it doesn't matter the million reasons that are out there because we've got the one reason that matters above them all. And that's the love of God, evident and active in our life. And it changes everything. And that's the challenge for all of us today. To not look at all the reasons, but to look to the very heart of God and see that the very heart and nature of God is love. And that he loves you unconditionally and he wants you to extend his love unconditionally 